Best Book Bits podcast brings you Stephanie Ubina-Jones, singer, teacher, writer, sister, friend, mother, wife, and lover of life. Stephanie brings her passion and experience of living a life of creative freedom to people all over the world. This rock star shaman has a passion for transformation and is a living example of not only dreaming, but bringing those dreams to life. Whether she's writing a song, performing, or leading a sacred journey of transformation, as co-founder of Freedom Folk and Soul, Stephanie is following her heart and chiseling out her soul. She sees herself as a kind of midwife, guiding folks on their journey of self-discovery, healing, and transformation, empowering those who seek to live a life of passion and purpose. Stephanie has spent over 25 years in the pursuit of her personal freedom. She has studied, prayed, walked, talked, worked, and turned over stones in the road and in her heart to heal and create a life of humility, passion, and purpose. A true walker between the worlds, Stephanie shares inspiration in music from her albums, including Shaman Heart, a transformational journey in a song with audiences and fellow journeyers everywhere. Stephanie is a number one billboard country music songwriter traveling with her hunky tonk mariachis, sharing joy and her history-making country music with Chili Peppers all over the world. Stephanie, thanks for being on the show. Hello, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. Now, you've written the book, Shaman Heart, amazing. So thank you very much for that. For people that don't know you, your life resume is absolutely huge. But just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into uh, your story in the book. You know, I am a great, passionate dreamer of life. I had dreams when I was a little girl. And through this sacred work and the sacred journey of life, I've been able to live them, so many of them so far. And my passion is really about inspiring and helping others so that they too can live their dreams. Yeah, yeah. thanks for sharing. An amazing book, by the way, and such a journey that you've traveled so much and you've really opened up about your life and all the experiences that you had as well. The book is called Shaman Heart, Turning Pain into Passion and Purpose. You write an amazing introduction in the book. Would you mind actually sharing that introduction and reading that out to the audience and listening? Would that be okay? It it starts with, my honey is hot and ready to receive. I would be honored. (laughs) I'd be honored. My honey is hot and ready to receive, to be filled and rocked until the star seed of my longing explodes into every cell of my being. They told me I'd be done by now, but this is the beginning. The beginning that came after the ending of giving my power to people and thoughts that were not my own. I slayed those dragons, cut those cords, haunted my youth and all the places I lost myself and went away because too much pain was too much pain. That pain gave birth to me. I was so brilliant, that little girl who rocked herself and told stories to keep herself safe. Oh, my precious baby, you were born from the stars. You came here to be on purpose on time, but not before you traveled the broken road that shattered your heart and hard shell wide open. You see, it was all a part of your destiny. I know it's hard to believe that this was a part of the great mystery school baby you can't be a twinkling star in the sky forever you can't make a wish from way out there and suddenly be delivered into a full 
fulfilling, juicy life that makes you shout from the inside out like a holy night of unleashed passion that keeps you coming and coming with waves crashing? No, you can't have that kind of juice without being willing to lose control, without coming to earth and being rebirthed through pain, shame, caca, and rain to come out shining in the sun, great, full. You see, my love, you got to feel the pleasure in pain to give birth. Embody it all to find your passion and purpose on earth. And just when you think you think you know it all, then you're right for the lesson you'll learn when you fall. Here you go to surrender again. But now you know sometimes the gift comes when you're willing to give up and throw your talents, drip down, jump in the river and swim. Look up at the clouds, feel the cool summer breeze, hear the birds as they chirp and they sing in the trees. Soon the sun will set the night sky on fire. Stars will twinkle and wink and fill you with desire. In your boat, you'll then float down a stream into caves on the canyon wall. The story of your life will play. First a dream, then a fetus, fingers, toes, you're born, you're walking, you're talking, your life's growing corn. One by one, scene after scene, the epic, awe-filled tale of transformation in me. Through tears and years, you will finally come to see the shaman heart star you were born to be. So look in the mirror, See that masterpiece of life? You're a fucking goddess. You are divine. So let your longing explode into every cell of your being. They told me I'd be done by now. But this is the beginning. This is the beginning of Shaman Heart by Stephanie. Stephanie, Thank you for the thank you for the introduction. We'll just wrap up the podcast there. So, yeah, great, great introduction. And you can tell you're a singer songwriter. Tell us a little bit about your early years and how you became to start in the music industry. And yeah, from a very early age, at four years old, it was actually after my grandfather passed away, and he was my person. And it was in that feeling, that first pain, somehow, the first dream. I was given a vision of singing in front of a mass of people. And so I had the dream and the purpose that I was here to live. But then through my life, like in many people's lives, there was some trauma and some things that happened. And pretty quickly, I stopped believing in myself. And so from there, I started writing songs. I found music that would keep me company. And I found a desire to be a part of music no matter what, that words and songs could touch and change people's lives and make them not feel so alone. And so a long story short, over 40 years, I wrote, I became a number one country writer, songwriter, billboard writer. I become a number one Texas writer. I made nine albums traveling the world, uh, sharing my music. And then I got to make history as the first artist um, ever to bring mariachi which is part of my Mexican roots to the Grand Ole Opry stage. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you shared that in the book as well, and it's an amazing story. And we'll get into uh, your great grandfather as well. And but first off, with with the book, you you talk about leading conscious creators of transformation, a journey to birth, an inspiring book to Mexico. Tell us a little bit about. There's is there two books? Is that right? Is there Sacred Death and then the Sacred Heart? Is that correct? Yeah. When I um last year, I was invited to write a chapter in the book Sacred Death. And I had had the pleasure and the honor of midwifing my grandmother from this world to the next. And so that was the first book I wrote. I wrote that chapter. It was so profound to be a part of a collective with the intent of telling a story. And during that process, I had a vision that, oh, my goodness, how amazing would it be um, if I led a journey with 25 authors in the pyramids of Teotihuacan my husband and I, Jeremy Pager, the founders of Freedom, Folk, and Soul, we lead journeys all over the world. And so I called up the publisher at Brave Healer Productions, Laura DeFranco. I said, I really want to lead a journey and a book. And she said, yes. And so January the 5th, 2022, 26 of us made it in the middle of the pandemic, snowstorms, canceled flights, and we took this powerful transformational journey in Mexico. Then we all went home and we wrote our chapters and uh, it's a really powerful book. Every chapter is so amazing. I think it's a it's an amazing book and it's something totally different as well. So you obviously let the authors, other authors in the book actually write about their stories too. So, you know, 25 Conscious Creators of Transformations. It's amazing. So for more audience out there, definitely go out there and buy the book. I haven't read Sacred Death, but would you mind going back and telling us a story about how midwife and your, would you say your grandmother to death? What, what was that experience like and what did you learn uh, through that transformation? Well, she um, was one of my favorite people and she called me when I was writing songs in Nashville. It's been 15 years ago and she said, Miha, which means little girl, she says, I'm dying. And I knew, you know, it was one of the first times that my heart and my spirit was awakened at, a, at another level. And so I went to be by her side and I was there as she was going between this world and the next. She'd be talking to my grandfather on the other side and then she'd come back and talk to me. And it was profound. And right before she passed, she took my hand and she says, Miha, you are going to be a mensajera, which means a messenger. And she said, you are going to be traveling the world, making country music with chili peppers. And she said that. She'd never said it before. And um, you're going to be sharing this beauty and this culture and this love in your music. And who knew also that I would then become a teacher sharing these these ways of our culture um, as well from Mexico. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it isn't it strange that reading your story, you can go back and Put the pieces together but starting from your early life it was very hard to look forward to connect the dots we'll, we'll jump into your early life in a second but tell us a little bit what is shaman heart what, what does that actually mean well you know that word um was given to me from an indigenous elder you know in the native american traditions they give um they're led by you know god or the great mystery whatever you want to call it to give someone a name and that name was given to me and it meant a lot to me but more importantly, I hope that it means something to other people. It's someone who makes, turns their pain into their passion and purpose. It's really that, that these dark nights of the soul that we all go through as human beings, that they become initiations 
that we, if we can go in there and feel them and honor them and have sacred witnesses, um, we can see into that darkness and we can bring a wisdom and a love and a compassion and grace to it. And so that's really, for me, what shaman heart means. It could be somebody talking to someone that's going through a hard time. You know, you're sharing your shaman heart because you've been there. You have an understanding, a compassion. And really, that's what this book is, 26 Tales of Transformation. People from all walks of life sharing a story of how they turned their pain into their purpose, how it became meaningful to them. And so they didn't have to live in the pain, but could live with the wisdom and the grace within that wound, so to speak. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing as well. Can we go back a little bit into your life? In the book, you talk about at an early age, you had a desire to, to die, which was quite dark, but it comes from the, you talk about carrying a tremendous amount of pain and shame, and you didn't know until you, you know, went to the, the pyramids that you'd, the sacred land of your ancestors, that the desire to die was a, a call for love. Uh, can you talk about going to doing a sacred ceremony and, and being reborn and laying your pain and shame on the altar, as you call it. Uh, can you expand on that story? Yeah. <laughs> well, and just, yeah, thank you for asking. And just to backtrack, you know, when my grandfather died, I was four years old. And from the, the our childlike mind, we make, we call these stories or agreements. And in my mind, from my being a little child, I wanted to go where he was going. So I wanted to die, you know, so it makes total sense. Like I want ice cream because that's what my grandfather is doing, right? My grandfather's dying. I love him. I want to go where he's ever, wherever he's going. So in my little childlike body, I connected the two. I want to die to love. And so it really was a conscious, you know, I, once I had my own daughter, and once I was singing, but I was still feeling so much pain or wasn't able to live my dream, I said, I have to do something. And so I became relentless about my healing and understanding what was going on. And so finally on this journey of, of death, of something being willing to die, on this journey of transformation in the pyramids of Teotihuacan, you literally start in what is called hell, where you acknowledge these things and the pain you're feeling. And then you walk down the avenue of the dead. And by the time you get to the pyramid of the moon, which is the cover of the book, here it is. There's the pyramid of the moon. You walk down the avenue of the dead. There's an altar. And it's in that place that you surrender to God, to your angels, to love, to life, whatever your words or understanding of that is. Help me help take this pain and make it into something that is brings peace and grace and love to the world and so that's what's that's what happens and to be honest what i found was you know i had done 15 years of traditional therapy i understood in my mind what had happened but i couldn't let go and that's because these stories these agreements are in our body and so even though my mind knew to let go, it wasn't until I did an actual physical journey with the intention of laying it on the altar that it was truly transformed. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, it does. And you explain that in the book as well, which is which is amazing. Switching gears, you talk about a story when you were young about you could hear your mum telling you, don't tell anyone you're Mexican. Can you expand on, on that story and, and why you felt ashamed that being uh, your skin was white, that you didn't want anyone to know that you were brown? Yes. You know, um, I grew up, was born into a big Mexican family and it was so joyful so much love, you know, it's just a culture of, you know, when they say mi casa, su casa, my house is your house, whatever I have is yours. So that was my experience of this joy. And so when my parents divorced and my grandfather died, I moved to a small town in Texas. And um, so I think my mother was trying to protect me when she said, because I don't look Hispanic. I don't, I don't have the color of the skin on my father. She said, don't tell anyone you're Mexican. And I had no idea until I wrote this book, how big that was and how that got locked in my body. And basically don't be who you are. Start being something else, but don't be who you are. And, and definitely feel shame about who you are. And so, you know, Fast forward 30 years later, I'm onto it, you know, and it becomes my passion, you know. So that's really the story. Yeah, and then you expand and say your life changed when you, your dad came to get you after you graduated high school and took you to Mexico for the first time and your brown heart exploded with joy, love, and bitterness, sadness for all that you missed. Yeah, talk about after when you finished high school, going to Mexico, what was that experience like and, and what did you get up to? Well, you know, my dad took me there and, you know, um, the women were shaped the way I was. There was such a joy and a simplicity to life. The Mexican culture, it's almost like they're artists of life. They make a salad and it's beautiful. You can feel their heart in the way that they present everything. And I felt that. And, you know, my dad took me to, I didn't write about this, but to my little aunt's house who I'd never met, you know, and she, I wasn't speaking Spanish at the time. And, you know, she was so happy to see me, received me. And before I went, she said, I have to give you a gift. And so she went to the bathroom and she came out with a half a bottle of shampoo and she gave it to me. And that is so indicative of the heart of Mexico of the simplicity, of the love, of the joy. And I was like, I'm that, that's who I am. That's who I want to be. Um, and it just, you know, it just, the seed of why I, I'm here on the planet was born on that trip. Yeah. Awesome. In the, in the book, you go through talking about your great grandfather who died at 105 and amazingly at 102 years of age. He got on the plane and flew to Italy to meet with the Pope. And that crazy? Wow. Tell us his story and, and what, what's this about? Because it's you talk a lot about in the book about it and it's an amazing story. Can you expand on your great-grandfather? So my great-grandfather, Manuel Anaya Urbina, crossed the border in 1907. He had a dream. He came. Everyone comes for a different reason. His was he had uh, was religious um, sovereignty. He was raised to be Catholic. He had gone to Italy to become a priest. Something happened that was so profoundly painful that he returned to Mexico, left his home, his country, his family, his religion to cross the border for in pursuit of his own divinity. 
and his own truth and his own understanding of truth. He became a Baptist minister and preached the gospel. And That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So after that as well, you went to Transformational Healers and you got put into a deep trance and you actually met your great-grandfather and he told you about the journey that you're going to take. Was that correct as well? It was just a few months before I made history on the Grand Ole Opry that ended another crossroad when I was considering giving up on the life that I'm living now that someone sent me a very special gift from him. So he's, he's just, you know, he's my guide. His uh, passion and his faith inspire me every day can you expand on the story of the the phone call you got and the gift that you received from a stranger so um i got a, a message on facebook that this gentleman had been in an antique store in san antonio texas and he found this bible and in it was inscribed manuel anaya ordvina and it was my great grandfather's Bible that he crossed the border with over a hundred years ago. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So after that as well, you went to, uh, you went to uh, transformational healers and you got put into a deep trance and you actually met your great grandfather and he told you about the journey that you're going to take. Was that correct as well? It is, you know, call it angels, call it, you know, whatever you want to call. We are there is life is always talking to us. And, you know, in the indigenous tribes, that's what they knew was that life was alive. And whether it was, a, you know, the wind or the feeling in your heart or your next door neighbor or a Bible coming out of nowhere, um, that we can always receive the message into our heart. And so I was down in Mexico and I was doing a breath work, which I now carry these breath works, I share them with people because using music, it helps, you know, drop you into your heart. And there, as if I was in a dream, my great grandfather came to me and said, Stephanie, it's time for you to use your voice in all ways and to share this journey of faith to inspire others that it's possible for them too. It's an amazing story, and and going back as well, your life wasn't always easy. You obviously suffered from you know debilitating depression and thoughts of suicide as well. You broke it, you know, your first marriage didn't work out too. You had a beautiful daughter that you write about, and one of the great lessons that I got from it, you talk about traveling to Mexico, going to the pyramid, and you were trying to overcome your pain, and someone said to you, Stephanie, you're addicted to suffering which was yeah that was that's an amazing story can you expand on that and what what does he mean when you say is you're addicted to suffering what what was that period like in your life well i really want to share this with you because you know i really was for the first for 40 years of my life because of the trauma and the things the agreements as we call them that i made i suffered tremendously it was hard for me to be on the planet and i just had debilita debilitating depression once I found the healing ways through that I got in my body, I rapidly began to release those stories and come back to life and be connected to, you know, a God of my understanding. On this pathway, I was, in, I was invited on one of these journey to the pyramids of Teotihuacan, like we lead. And this gentleman who was our leader 
said to me in this profound moment, you are addicted to your suffering. And it just, you know, descended on my heart and shattered me because it was true. I had been raised to almost be loyal to my suffering in my thoughts in, and, and not as if it was not my fault. And it wasn't even say my parents' fault. It was just conditioning. There was a grief in the house. There was a rage in the house. There was an unsafety. There was the loss of my grandfather. And all of that kind of made um, almost a ministry of pain that I was loyal to, not knowing, because it was just, if you grow up in a happy household, if you grow up in joy, if you grow up in compassion, that's what you become attuned to. If you grow up and things happen that are really sad, that becomes the record for your life, the groove for your life. And mine was deep in suffering. And so it was very hard to hear that because it was true, but it was also, as I write about, revolutionary because I began to understand that I had the power within me to take that needle off the record. It took my attention. It took a lot of attention, intention to, because that groove was deep in suffering, but it worked, it worked. And rapidly my life transformed and all of those dreams that I'd had as a little child, they just started popping up miraculously. Yeah, the, one of the notes I got from that, which was amazing, which was take the needle off the groove. And sometimes we don't realize that unconsciously, which is going around, what I call these scripts and loops, but we actually have the any moment in the present now, we can take the needle off that loop and we can break that cycle as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing of that too. Tell us the story of meeting Jeremy and how Jeremy came into your life. Aw. Well, um, I'd heard about him for a while in these healing circles that I was in. Because once I found, had this experience in Mexico, I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff really works. And so um, I was at a journey. I'd gone through a divorce and I walked up to a sweat lodge and um, I met him, but later that night, uh, they were doing a, an, a, an experience in a medicine wheel. And he sat beside me and, um, you know, it was just magically meant to be. Two people that were looking for our own personal healing, our own personal responsibility for our lives. We believed that we could change our personal lives and we wanted to learn how to love ourselves first and maybe love each other. That happened rapidly. And because that happened and our life began to bloom personally and our relationship, we started Freedom Folk and Soul, which is a, a transformational community of the healing arts. And we lead journeys all over the world and walk with people who are ready to transform their life. Yeah, awesome. In the book, you talk about Jeremy's story as well. Do you want to relate that story too and talk about Jeremy's journey and his story so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people, basically the truth is, is that when we're little or even when we're older and we feel pain and it's too much, we 
start finding all kinds of creative ways to medicate that pain so we don't have to feel it. And so Jeremy grew up in a workaholic home. You know, his dad, who loved him very much, was a very strong patriarch. And Jeremy being sensitive, he felt um, he didn't feel as if it was okay for him to become whoever he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be, you know, owning this deli and doing the family business. And so um, he started doing drugs and became addicted. And it was through that drug addiction that he found his recovery and these healing ways. And now he's a firewalk instructor and Nate, he's been adopted into the Lakota tribe. And he's an amazing, humble, masculine teacher. It's wonderful. You know, there's a lot of women in the field of transformation. It's wonderful to have a safe, masculine, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and it, you go in depth in the book with Jeremy's story as well. One thing I like about the book, you don't just share your stories as well. You share something at the end of each story, which is called the medicine, which I really liked as well. So we'll jump into some of the medicines. You talk about your medicine is music. Can you explain the medicine of your story where you talk about medicine is music? Well, you know, as I was saying before, sometimes when we're, when things happen in our life, we have to find creative ways to go away. And it's a, it's a self-preservation and they, some people call it disassociation. Um, ultimately it's some level of soul loss, you know, and when we talk about recovery and becoming whole, that's when we have all of ourself home, you know, I can feel young and I can be wise. I can feel all of me at home now. So the, the medicine that I offered was a medicine wheel of music. And that was to make a, a playlist of your life, to honor your life, to honor the little kid in you. You know, when you were two or three or four, what's the first song that you remember hearing? And what was the song that your mom or dad or somebody sang to you? And what was the song that you remember the first time you put on roller skates and felt your freedom? And what was the song you felt when you were like a sacred rebel teen that you were like, you know, feeling alive or feeling a desire? And so it's making, honoring your life by making a playlist. Yeah, it's great. That's 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 probably a, a really easy thing to do with Spotify. Before we jumped on the podcast, I was actually listening to your music as well. So uh, really, really cool. I like some of the Mexican music there and yeah, really great. So for people listening out there, just check out Stephanie on Spotify. I just played the Grand Ole Opry, you know, here in Nashville last week. I played another, you know, show last week in Kentucky that's on PBS and Actually, it's shown all over the world. So so many stories that you share in the book. We're not going to have enough time on the podcast to go through them all. So what I'd like to do is basically just go through some of the medicines, which is some of the, the recommendations for people to digest, which is great. You talk about one of Atlantis Wolf in the book. She talks about intentional creativity using art. Can you talk about that or explain that a little bit, intentional creativity? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that we as human beings are, again, amazing creators and creative. And so when we can unleash that, it can tell a story. You know, for me, lots of times I write a song or a poem like the introduction and I find myself and my truth. Sometimes it's just picking up a paintbrush or colors 
and seeing what wants to come out because that helps us to express and to find ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's a great way to, um, as you said, to expand on using creativity and, and intentional creativity as well. I think we stop, I don't know, a lot of people stop drawing or coloring or creating or creating art once, you know, they finish school, get a job, you know, grow up and people, you know, stop being a kid and, and stop being creative as well. So it's a great medicine for people who haven't done it before, maybe to get back into the arts and use intentional creativity to, to see what's inside of yourself as well. Moving on in chapter four, one of the medicines you talk about, which is great, and this can relate to, to me and a lot of people out there as well. So you've had a tremendous heartbreaking, mind-expanding spiritual experience. Now what? Now what? Like, what do we do? How do we take this spiritual ex experience home, transform the event into real-life action, weave the spiritual blast to another dimension into the fabric of brushing your teeth or even making a coffee in the morning? Take three steps. You talk about act well. You, you share activate, integrate, and activate again. Can you expand on that a little bit? You know, because it's one thing, like we said, to have an understanding in our mind. An aha is one thing, but it's another thing when we can integrate it into our body. Our body is this like amazing tool. And so that is part of taking the action so we can have the experience of it. And when we have the experience of it, it's like the clay, something gets set and becomes more, more lifelike, more in form. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Another medicine you talk about is using ritual, which has been used for thousands of years, you know, to put our intentions out into the world as well. Can you talk about rituals, you know, even sweat lodges, like what are some things that people can do to use ritual as a part of their uh, life experience? Well, I think it's so, so, so important. And the truth is we all have rituals. You know, we have a ritual every morning when we pour our coffee. And I have a ritual when I pour my coffee and I meditate every morning. That's part of my life ritual, brushing my teeth. Um, but it's so important when we can make that conscious. You know, um, I recently, not too long ago, it's like I, my daughter had a quinceanera, which is amazing. And it's a coming of age ceremony. It's for her to step through, to honor the child that she was, the young girl, and to invite her into becoming a woman. So that's a profound, really big ritual. And so she had that and I was like, well, I want one. So I had a small ritual with some girlfriends to welcome that part of myself forward. Um, I build altars everywhere I go. Anytime I'm in a hotel, there's a little altar and it'd just be a little card. I carry a little candle and it's just a way for me to acknowledge that there's life and, um, life beyond this life and that life loves me and it's a way that I pray. So um, anytime we can bring the material into the spiritual, it helps ignite that intention. It's just like we are, we are working with the great mystery of life. Yeah, I actually read something recently about that particular transition that uh, young girls go from from being you know a girl to a woman as well and in different tribes and different uh, cultures that's actually a very sacred a sacred thing so yeah uh, thank you for sharing that as well one of the other notes i got from the books which i'm trying to do myself at the moment is uh, it's called the mirroring technique can you talk about staring in yourself in a mirror or using one of the medicines which is using mirror work can you talk about mirror work well this is one of the hardest ones because it's so telling to pick up a mirror, to find yourself in a, you know, a quiet, reflective state, maybe have some music on, 
light a candle and literally take a mirror and put it right up to your face and look into your own eyes. And what do you see? What do you feel? Because your soul will speak the story or the mask or whatever. You know, when I first looked in the mirror on that trip to Teotihuacan, I could not look at myself. I had so much self-loathing and hatred. And on any given day now, I can look at myself. It might take me a minute, but I can always find my soul and I can feel love. And then that is reflected in all of my life and all of my relationships, you know? It's such a hard thing to do to come face to face with yourself and to accept yourself, non-judgment, and just let you be you. And isn't it strange that so many people we deal with or talk about, we're always trying to fix the inner child or the past within us and at the same time co-create an amazing future in the present. So it's just interesting that we're, we're weaving this, this story of past, present, future. It's, it is amazing. Yeah, it's really, I'm glad you brought that up. It is amazing to me too. I'm like, really? And I have people say this all the time. Are we really going back? We've already been there. But all I know is that if these younger parts of ourselves, if something happened or they made an agreement unknowingly for whatever reason, like I described, we can't see ourselves. We can't see through the filter of our own love. And if we can't, to me, that's not like, I, for me, I, I have to love, I have to feel my own love before I can love anything else to life. And what I know is that truly by transforming anything that was left unloved, all of my dreams then started coming true. It was like it lit the pilot light for everything. I find it interesting that if we got taught these medicines in school and when we say medicines these ways to actually overcome our childhood traumas in our teenage years so let's say everyone has a very traumatic years between 0 10 10 to 15 but if you got taught this shit early on and you actually overcome it really early on people wouldn't be as messed up as they needed to be when they're in their 20s and 30s when they can actually access shit that's going to take them to that next level of you know drug abuse alcohol abuse relationships this that and the other like, it'd just be interesting if we could just nip that in the bud straight away after it happens at an earlier age instead of going through the 20s, 30s, and 40s of trying to fix your childhood stuff, which that's just, I find that interesting. But I think that's what we're doing as well because we can teach that to our younger generation on, hey, this is a mirror. Look into the mirror. This is yoga. It's funny watching young kids do yoga, yoga poses and things like that as well, or just any, or even meditation. Moving on, you talk about one of the medicines in the book, which is called mantra. I think it's mudra and toning. Can you talk about that and what that means? Well, from her um, point of view, and each of the authors offered their own unique medicine as it related to their chapter, which was amazing. Um, I loved Kathy Guidi's chapter. It was amazing. Anybody that's married or in a sacred relationship and you're having question marks, are you in the right place? Should you end it? Should you keep going? This is an amazing chapter. And, you know, she's bringing her, her practice, um, her Eastern practice to her medicine of how she can drop into finding the right answer for her. So it's fascinating. It's great. And there's so many, as I said, because you've shared so many great authors and their stories as well as part from their, their medicine as well. I know it's not all yours, but I'm just relating uh, what, what you think about it. I'll read one here, which is called The Holy Is Within You. 
Whatever you were taught, know this, the holy is within you. Whether woman, man, or non-binary, no matter who you love or how you express yourself, regardless of the color of your skin, the home you have or don't have, the language you speak or where you're from, the holy is within you. Despite the religion you were raised in or the face or the faces that show up when you pray, the holy is within you. You are the living hands, the hearts of the holy. Here to bless the world, the holy is never, ever further away than your own breath. What are your thoughts on the holy is within you? Yes, it is. It is. The holy is within us, every one of us. And if we're not feeling that on a regular basis, if we're not feeling joy, if we're not feeling our love, we are now, and they said, the indigenous will say, we are the ones we've been waiting for. And we are. We have the tools now to bring forward, to rapidly transform so that we can remember who we really are. Yeah, I thought that was a, a great chapter there as well. We'll wrap up a, a couple last medicines and wrap up with a couple last stories as well. One of the other ones is great. You talk about the daily practice of uh, clearing, connecting, grounding, somatic breath work and prayer. What is somatic breath work? I've been playing around with breath work recently and there's so many different types of, you know, box breathing, Wim Hof breathing, somatic breath work. What What's the differences or what is that? Well, basically, if they're saying somatic, it's just inviting you into the body. Because the so it can be, you know, we use say we call it, we call our sacred journey breath work, and it is, you know, music that loud music, um, and then it's you know in evocative music, and it's inviting you into the vibration of something that wants to be revealed or healed or transformed, and you're breathing hard, circular breathing. But for me, it's not all the same, but it's all the same. It's getting you in your body because your body is holding the, the truth. So that's, that's what's revolutionary. And more important than anything is getting in the body to release the original story. It's one of those things that's just coming back to the breath is always there. And it's using that as a, as a guide for the, the present moment as well. That actually circles uh, into one of the other medicines as well. It's, do you know, you have those days when you wake up on the wrong side of the bed feeling extra cranky or just weepy. It's your body's way of letting us know that we just need a moment to check in and not just keep in checking out as well. I think it's important from time to time to check in with yourself, also to check out with the current reality and go within. Every day, I, I during the day about one o'clock, I'll take off for about half an hour and go meditate. And when I say meditate, I'll close my eyes and... I'll sort of have a nap, but I don't sleep, but I just reconnect with myself. I do get tired, but that's one way of myself checking in with myself to say, okay, let's just create space and time for yourself as well. I sort of have two days. One is the morning, and then after that midday sort of meditation nap, it's the second part of the day as well. You you finish off with a story of of death and grief work as well. Do you want to touch on that a little bit about that particular experience? Yes, I, I had the great honor of knowing this beautiful woman by the name of Diana. And um, at the beginning of my yes to write this book, she was dying. And so because I'd had this profound experience with my grandmother, I was one of the safe people that she could call and we would talk about this experience of her dying. And she had been passionate. She'd lost her life partner 20 years prior and through that, she had her passion for life had been about the grief process um, and about 
the process of dying. She'd become a death doula. And so um, she wrote one day on her um, Facebook about this process of dying and how she was so excited about this adventure. And I was so touched by it that I reached out to her and I said, would you be the last chapter in this book? And she said she'd be honored. And so she died. She wrote it. She sent it to me. She signed her papers with the publisher and she died maybe a couple months later. Um, and one of the things that she said that I think was so important is she said, I'm so excited about this next adventure. And Stephanie, it's because I'm all grieved up. I'm all grieved up because you know, we, we just stuff all these feelings in our body. We don't feel our feelings that are like God given. They're there for a reason. And so we're just, we're stuck. And she said, I'm all grieved up. You know, she had a regular relationship with her grief and her tears. And um, it was an honor for us to put Diana's chapter last. Yeah, it's an amazing story as well. And one of the things I got from it too, because she spent a lot of time doing grief work was what it's if death was an airport and what i mean by an airport what is if we knew we'll travel in somewhere and we treated death as an airport a lot of people would be excited to to go on a trip or a holiday but not necessarily a lot of people are excited to die and in the book she does talk about being all griefed up which she was so she was excited about her next journey in life but wouldn't that be interesting that instead of going to the hospital to die where a lot of people go to the hospital to be born or to get if they're sick but go to some special place where it's more of an airport where we know we're going to travel whether it be somewhere or we don't but just the, the idea of that death could be an airport and we're traveling to some other place is more of a, a fascinating idea of death i love that i love that i love it because yeah, it would re it would reframe everything because with my grandmother dying and watching her spirit leave, there is without a shadow of a doubt in my mind and in Diana's, there is. It's just an airport. Yeah, it's just an airport. Like where everyone's so excited when you know they someone else is uh, having a baby, that baby showers and going to the hospital. But for the baby, it's a death of the womb. Like for them, it's a traumatic experience. But for everyone else, they're like, yeah, the baby's crying their head off. Ah, and we're like, yeah. It's great and it's the opposite it's the opposite when someone dies you know the person is so fearful and everyone's so fearful but no one's going yeah they're about to die like imagine we treated death as the same experience of birth it'd be a strange world but anyway that's just a like a, a call a thought bubble but we'll move on stephanie i appreciate you writing the book and your journey as well for my audience out there where can they find you listen to your music buy the book where do you spend most time online and yeah what websites can they visit well, you can get the book by going to Amazon or you can just go to our website at shamanheart, shamanheart.org. You can see and meet all of the authors. There's, there's interviews that we did in Mexico while they were on their journey. There's a video of us and you can see all the amazing experiences that we did. So shamanheart.org. Um, if you want to join us on a journey of transformation and literally change your life, join us at freedomfolkandsoul.org, freedomfolkandsoul.org. You can see our journeys to Mexico and Peru. And if you want to check out my music, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook and at stephanieurbinajones.com. Perfect. 
perfect. Stephanie, thank you again for being a great guest to my audience out there. Go out, buy her book, follow her stuff, listen to her music. Again, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll speak soon. So thanks very much, Stephanie. Thank you so much.